ION 2020, episode 42. Have 2020 vision with ION 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's your host Ray Eaton, the host of Eye on 2020, the place that you're coming on a daily basis for the news, all the events, all of the stuff that's going on for this 2020 election. Appreciate you coming out and listening today. Um, I appreciate all my listeners, and if you could go ahead and subscribe to the show, I'd appreciate that. Uh, go ahead and give me a five-star rating and review as well. I might have uh, a little bit of housekeeping, I guess. I might have shot myself in the foot with my with my topics, uh, not my topics, but the format of my show, because I'm a libertarian, and I'm talking about the 2020 election specifically, and let's be honest, it's mostly, the most of the news right now is the Democrat news, so almost every show that I've done has been about topics that Democrats, or the, the shows are about Democrats, right? So the show's titles are shows that Democrats might uh, be interested in listening to. For example, I talk about, you know, Elizabeth Warren, I talk about Tulsi Gabbard, I talk about the $15 minimum wage, things like that. So if you're searching online or if you're searching for podcasts about Tulsi Gabbard, if you're searching for podcasts about Elizabeth Warren, if you're searching for podcasts about topics that I've been covering, uh, most likely I'm taking on topics that Democrats would be interested in listening to, right? So here I am, I'm, I'm doing this podcast from a libertarian perspective, and I'm asking everyone to rate the show, review the show, things of that nature, and what I get is um, mostly Democrats listening to the show, I think. That's good, I guess, uh, from my perspective it's good, I would like to have people listen to the show from a, from a wide variety of um, political, you know, political ideas, I guess, so... I think that's a good thing that I have that, but also if I'm if I'm disagreeable with their point of views, they're obviously going to give me a one-star review, and I've gotten several of those recently. One-star reviews because I guess, you know, I'm talking, and maybe it's the quality of the show, who knows? That, that's, that could be, and that's fine. Um, and if it is a one-star review and it's a, based on the, on the quality of the show, or me personally, go ahead and give me a one-star review, you know, that's fine, and, and then, you know, review it, though, a one-star rating, and then review it, and just say, hey, Ray, this is what you can do to get better, you know, I mean, that's what I'd like to hear, um, but if you're giving me, you know, one star because you disagree on, with me politically, that's fine, I mean, that, that's, I'm gonna get those people like that, so I don't mind, I, I'll take the criticism as it is, but I was just thinking about it when I get these one-star re- reviews, you know, I just realized that, hey, I'm a libertarian, I'm coming at things from a libertarian perspective, so I'm going to disagree with a lot of the Democrats' policies on that specific issue, on those specific issues. <clears throat> but, I, taking it from a libertarian perspective, if more libertarians are listening to the show, I hope, and please if you can, 
go ahead and give me a, a good rating because that'll even out those those uh, challenging ratings, I guess, that I get, those one-star ratings that I get for people that are just, dis- you know, they just disagree with me politically, so they're going to, you know, give me a bad review. It's, that's fine. I'll take I'll take any criticism I can get. I'll take any review I can get, I guess, you know. Um, I'm just starting off the show. I've been doing it for a little bit, about, I, what, about two months now, and I've been putting out daily shows Monday through Friday for you, uh, five days a week, and I'm trying to cover all of the news that I can, all of those events that I can for you, because let's be honest, reading through news articles is not the funnest thing in the world, unless you're a complete political junkie, and I'm not even a complete political junkie, to be honest with you. I don't watch Fox News, I don't watch CNN, I don't watch MSNBC, uh, except for on a very rare basis, and I, the one thing I do on a weekly basis is I watch a couple of the Sunday morning shows because those are the places where they're interviewing the, the newsmakers for the week and that's going to set the tone for the week on the news. So I tend to pay attention to those. Uh, I'll listen to their podcasts. Like I will listen to, um, what is it, the Fox News Sunday. I listen to that podcast on a weekly basis because I don't watch that show. But I'll watch and I'll, I'll listen to it really fast and like two times speed just to see what it generally is going on. I usually don't listen to the whole thing. I listen to the first half of it because that's where the actual newsmakers are on. They'll get Donald Trump on there. They'll get um, some leaders in the Democratic Party on there. Uh, sometimes they're interviewing, you know, they're interviewing the newsmakers of the week. In all those Sunday morning shows, the M- or NBC has Meet the Press, I think is the name of theirs. CBS has CBS Sunday Morning. So I do follow those shows Specifically, just because that's where the newsmakers are getting on to, you know, direct the flow of conversation, you know, for Monday and Tuesday, basically. Unless unless Donald Trump sends out a tweet, then uh, everyone just talks about that for the rest of the day, which he, I think he does that about daily. So anyway, um, I'll follow those, and that's just to kind of know what's generally is going on. But I'm not a news junkie. That's what I'm getting at. I'm not a news junkie, um, but I like to follow. The 2020. I, I like to follow the 2016 elections. Uh, it was exciting, and I've always said this on the show. If 2020 is anything like 2016, we're in for a ride. Uh, that's why I've always been interested in the idea of putting together a podcast for you that'll cover the news and related events that are going on for 2020. And that's what I'm doing here. This is Eye on 2020, your place for that, all that information, all that news. So. If you can, go ahead and subscribe to the show, and if you um, like what you hear, go ahead and give me a five-star rating, and if you want to, go ahead and review the show as well. One place to find me, you'll find me on Eye on the Empire, that is at Eye on the Empire, and that is on Twitter, okay? I don't have a Facebook page, I don't have a website, nothing like that. Twitter is the place to follow me, and I'm just throwing some news events, you know, with regards to what's going on around the world, what's going on within our empire, uh, what's going on in America, just uh, so you know what's going on, because, and I take it from a libertarian perspective, so that's where I'm at, um, so hey guys, one thing I wanted to talk about today, I've been following the news of the week, and Donald Trump, he is sitting over in, or he was over in Korea this week, not Korea, sorry, he was over in Vietnam this week, and he was talking with the leader of North Korea, what is his name? His name is Kim Jong-un, and, uh, he was hanging out in Hanoi with Kim Jong-un, and I just wanted to say that from a libertarian perspective, you can't get 
you can't beat somebody that's willing to talk with another person rather than uh, drop bombs on them or, you know, threaten and retaliate and all this stuff, right? Uh, we went through that. I, uh, the United States went through that. That you hear on the on the news, you know, about twice a year or so, you hear about North Korea for about the last, you know, 25, 30 years or so, about them trying to get nuclear weapons and so forth. So we were always having that happen. I think it was around June every year, America would be doing these little war games over in South Korea. They would have little naval things going on and, you know, army training and stuff like that, military training going on. And North Korea would always tie their weapons tests. They would always tie their, you know, stirring up the pot, I guess. They would always tie that in with the war games that the United States is having, it, you know, with South Korea into that particular time. So every June or so, if, if you looked at it, you would always notice that in June, um, you start seeing news articles coming out about, is America going to go to war to North, with North Korea? Um, they talk about the crazy dictator Kim Jong-un and what he's going to do and all this stuff, right? Um, they spin it in a way that makes America sound great or whatever. Whoever's good, whoever's bad in this situation, obviously um, North Korea is a brutal dictatorship and, you know, they're a complete communist country that, you know, keeps their people down, keeps their people out of the know of what's going on. They control the media, they control the TV. I think there's like one TV station in North Korea. Whenever people come in to North Korea, Korea they only, they have handlers there with them and they only get to see what they're allowed to see, things of that nature. So obviously it's a terrible country, but this um, Kim Jong-un, he... And his father before him, they did a lot of weapons tests, they did a lot of nuclear tests over the course of, I think it was like a 15-year period or so. And the reason why they were trying to get those nukes is to have leverage. They always said that. They always said that they were trying to get nukes so they'd have leverage to negotiate with America, um, so that they'd have some kind of thing that they could hold over America's head and the world's head in order to get some kind of privileged status, um... And that and that's what they that, that's what they're getting now. They're they're hate they're able to have those conversations because they obtained nuclear weapons. I mean that's just a fact. America talked with the Liber, Liber, Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi back when because he had the nukes. Um, the countries that get the respect of the countries that have nuclear weapons, right? I mean Pakistan has nukes, India has nukes, China has nukes. Those are the countries on the world stage that have the respect. And North Korea has been for 20 years trying to get nukes, and now they finally have them, so now they're getting the respect that they need, or that the respect that they wanted on the world stage. Uh, Kim Jong-un, I'm sure he's using it as a propaganda piece for his people, like, hey, I'm shaking hands with, you know, the president of, of America, da-da-da, you know, I'm sure it's all over the news, and they're they're just, you know, they're spreading the propaganda that they need, but What's happening is Donald Trump is over there having these conversations with this guy, using it for his own propaganda, I'm sure, as well. Uh, but my point, I on 2020, is this good for his re-election? That's, that's the question I want to ask. Is this good? Is Donald Trump meeting with Kim Jong-un, is it good for his re-election? I say yes. And the reason why is this. Donald Trump is going to be able to call himself a peacemaker going into the 2020 election 
all these people, all these candidates that are all talk on non-aggression, non-interventionist foreign policy, all these candidates that are all talk on this issue, and they have a record to stand on, right? Elizabeth Warren has a record to stand on. He can bring up any time that she voted against him on these issues, um, he'll be able to use these things against these people, right? So I think it's going to be in, I think it's in Donald Trump's interest, what he's doing right now for 2020, that he's going to be able to say, I'm the peace candidate. Look at me. I'm getting rid of, uh, you know, I'm talking with the dictator of Kim Jong-un. We're on the best terms that we've been on in, you know, 70 years or 60 years or whatever it is since the, the Korean War didn't really end. They just, you know, they they called a truce, I guess. Um, but we're on the best terms that we've been on with them since the end of the Korean War, right? We're talking with these people. We're moving towards denuclearization of the of the Korean Peninsula, which I don't think that that's going to happen, by the way. I, I still think that they're going to keep what they have. I just think that, you know, and Donald Trump even said it, at least they're not doing weapons tests anymore. At least they're not lobbing missiles over Japan, things of that nature, right? So at least they're not doing that. And that's something that he can stand on and say, listen, we're moving forward with North Korea. We're opening up relations with these people. And that's what I talked about doing in my campaign in 2016. And he's talking about ending hostilities in Syria, which he still says he's keeping like 200 troops there. I think it's just a negotiation between him and the war hawks and the, you know, in the military to do that. So he's doing things in, in Syria. He's, he's drawing down troops in Afghanistan. He's drawing down troops in Iraq. All these things he's talking about doing, he's doing, and he's going to be able to stand on it and say, Hey, I'm the I'm the leader of foreign policy here. So what is that going to be beneficial to Donald Trump? I think so. I don't think that he has anything to lose by meeting with Kim Jong Un and only things to gain. And that's going to be good for his campaign. So and none of these Democrats are going to be able to stand up and say, "Hey, look what I did," right? Because they all talked bad about him doing this. The media was against him meeting with this Kim Jong Un. So you know, I think it's just a very beneficial thing for Donald Trump to meet with the dictator, Kim Jong-un, and it's going to be beneficial to his campaign. So also, keeping on the Trump topic, because I guess I'll make this a Trump episode today, who knows. Uh, Trump will be very tough to beat in 2020 if he gets three things right. Uh, Scaramucci says this on CNN, or CNBC, I'm sorry, CNBC, he said this, uh, a couple days back, he says, it says, former White House officials Anthony Scaramucci said U.S. Presidential Don- President Donald Trump will be very tough to beat if three things work out for him. Continued economic growth, a border security strategy that excites his political base, and foreign policies, and if his foreign policies yield results. And that's true, guys. That is totally true. Um, his base wants a wall. I mean, his rallies were always, build the wall build the wall that was what they were saying they were i mean they would they they would chant usa usa and they would chant build the wall build the wall i mean it was never end the war in afghanistan end the war in afghanistan that wasn't the chants that you hear at his campaign rallies but it was build the wall his base 
they just want a big old concrete wall across the you know Mexican border. They don't care how it happens. Um, you know, take take the <laughs> take the river and 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 re you know and rework it some other way and you know build the wall right across it or invade Mexico and build a wall on the other side of the river. You know, whatever it takes, just build the damn wall. That's what they're saying, right? So as long as he does that, his political base is good. They're happy. They'll vote for him. And then uh, if there's continued economic growth, you're going to get the middle of the road people. As long as, you know, people vote from their pocketbooks, right? And if Donald Trump, if they can say, or if he can make a case with these people and say, hey, man, look at look at the economy. It's doing great. Then those middle of the road people are going to vote for him, Right. And then as long as and it's just foreign policies yield results, then they'll vote for then he'll get votes as well. So as long as those three three things are going good for him, uh, I agree. This you know, then he's gonna be very hard to beat. And let's get into the article then, okay? So US President Donald Trump Trump's success in scoring a second term in the Oval Office in twenty twenty will depend upon how much his domestic and foreign policies work, according to US or White House official Anthony Scaramucci. Speaking to CNBC's Capital Connection on Tuesday, Scaramucci said Trump will be very tough to beat if three things work out. The U.S. economy continues to grow. The president's border security strategy excites his political base and his foreign policies yield results. If those things happen, the economy continues to grow. I think he'll be very tough to beat in 2020. The U.S. economy... Scaramucci predicted that thriving U.S. economy will boost Trump's chance of getting reelected to around 85%. If growth slows down, as forecasted by many economists, Trump still has a 60% to 65% chance of winning the election, Scaramucci said. The International Monetary Fund said in January that the U.S., the world's largest economy, is expected to grow at 2% this year, down from the estimated 2.3% for last year. That growth could slow down further to 1.8% in 2020, according to the IMF. So I, I agree with that. I think that there was... You know, they they were claiming three or four percent growth um, for last year, and Donald Trump is going to play those things up, though, man. He is a he is a master, an absolute master, at getting people to believe him when he says, "Oh yeah, there was four percent growth, three percent growth, or whatever." And if he says it, and if he says it enough, people tend to believe it, especially his base. Um, so I think that, you know. Even if there is two or three percent growth, he'll still be able to claim. Or even if there's two percent growth or near two percent growth, he'll still be able to claim, you know, great growth in America and everything else. Um, and he'll be able to pass blame if he really needs to as well, because uh, he's very good at doing that. Also, so moving on, let's talk about the foreign policies. Another important element that will affect Trump's re-election chances is foreign policies. Scaramucci said, the president has an in recent months pushed for improved trade ties with China, scheduled to arrive in Vietnam this week for a summit with North Korean Kim Jong-un. Those efforts could affect Trump's case in securing a second term as president. Like I just said, you know, this Kim Jong-un thing is good for him. And then also, you know, securing trade, really improved trade ties with China. Um, when he announced his election in 20, or running for camp, for, running for president in 2016, he literally made China his first thing. He said, China is robbing us, China is stealing with us, China is this, China that, China is that. Um, he's going to be able to build upon this by saying, look how great things are with China now, everything's great, everything's wonderful. That's what he's going to be able to say. And if he can say that with a straight face, then it's going to look very good for him because those base, those people that 
You know, they hated China and now they're going to say, oh, yeah, we love China. They're great. You know, they're sending us all kinds of trinkets. They're sending us all kinds of stuff. And they're not robbing the middle class anymore. And and the blue collar collar workers and all that. Look at all the jobs I brought back. Look at all the, how great things are with China. Da, 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 da. Um, so I think that's going to be something that will help him secure that election as well. So he says, going on with the article, when people step back, they'll say, wait a minute, this is an American businessman that became the American president and he negotiated with the Chinese in a way that the traditional American politicians weren't able to. And so my guess is it's going to work out. That's what the American people will say. Uh, not the, not every American person. I start, I'm sorry. I hate when people use the word the American people because when a politician says that, they're talking about their 20% of people that are like their base. The American people is who agrees with me. That's what that's what that's what a politician means when they say the American people. So, but that's what his base is going to say. Wait a minute. This is an American businessman that became an American president, and he negotiated with the Chinese in a way that traditional American politicians weren't able to. And it's true. American politicians in the past supposedly were not able to negotiate with the Chinese the way that Donald Trump has. I don't know. That That's probably not a completely true statement, actually. Um, it's definitely not a true statement, come to think of it. Um, because I don't care that... I mean, from a libertarian perspective, guys, I don't care if an American politician negotiates with the Chinese to get special favors and all that, because all these special favors are is special favors for those people that are politically connected uh, to Donald Trump to get their way within these trade talks, right? I would say open trade between... I mean, if I want to buy something from China, I should be able to call some dude in China and say, hey, man, send it over, negotiate the price, and it gets over here. But now, if it comes here, there's going to be some kind of penalty put on that product, some kind of tax put on that product. So when it gets here, I'm I'm paying, let's say, 10 or 20% more than I would have otherwise. So let's be honest, trade talks are... Trade talks are for the politically connected, and that's what Donald Trump is doing. But if he can spin it in a way that helps him for his campaign, I think he will. He is a very good at spinning those things with his constituency and also with just the average voter that's out there. So that's only going to benefit him. So Donald Trump, you know, I I say that he's going to have an easy time getting elected as long as the Democrats are running some far-left candidate and as long as those things go well. Um, he'll have a harder time if there's a Joe Biden-type candidate that gets you know gets the nomination but i don't see that happening i i i see the most popular candidates right now are your elizabeth warrens your further left candidates that are um taking a stance against like the big businessman uh wanting to tax people more wanting to give out more handouts that's what the that's what the that's what the left is offering right now is more candidates that want to give want to take more from a big you know big businesses and rich people and give it to other people they they're that's that's the message that they have and if you look into it it's true they don't have the just the middle ground candidate that says hey let's just you know keep things where they are just tweak it a little bit they don't have that hillary clinton out there this year they don't have an al gore they don't have somebody you know a john Kerry. they have you know, the far-left candidates, and that they have the Bernie Sanders as their most popular candidate, and he's the socialist, and I don't think that Americans are going to vote for a socialist yet. Maybe one day, but I just don't, I don't see the tide 
tied there yet, to be honest with you. So uh, that's my show today, guys. I appreciate you listening. Uh, I talked about Donald Trump, so I'll be, you know, that'll be the highlight of the show is all about Donald Trump and his reelection, and if Kim Jong Un meeting with him is good for him. Uh, I appreciate you listening. I, I really do. Go ahead and subscribe to the show. And please give me a five-star rating, rating and review the show if you can. But a five-star rating, if you're a libertarian, please do that. Because I really need, um, I'm not begging by any means. I'm sorry if I come off that way. But I really need some good reviews because it's going to counterbalance the bad reviews that I'm getting by people that just politically disagree with me. And you know how um, some people are, you know, they just can't take a disagreeing, a dissenting opinion by any means and listen to it with an objective, objective view, I guess. Um, but that's fine. But if it's my show that sucks, hey, man, you know what? If you give me a one-star rating, please go ahead and just, you know, let me know what I'm doing wrong. You can do that through that, through the um, review on your Apple iTunes or whatever podcast you listen to. Or you can just go ahead and let me know how crappy I am through the uh, at Eye on the Empire, which is my Twitter handle. Uh, go ahead and do that if you're going to give me a one-star review because I need to get this show better then, you know? Hey, that's what I'm trying to do. Um but go ahead and subscribe. Listen every day if you can. I'm putting out a show Monday through Friday. And uh, please come back tomorrow because this is Eye on, the, Eye on 2020, your place to have clear vision for the 2020 election.